Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Sydney Knight. And today on the show, we're talking about contaminated land. That's right. It is Valentine's Day today. <laughs> what better to celebrate the toxicity and toxic <laughs> land? And we've had a couple of people ask about this recently. Say, so, Andrew, how does land get contaminated? Okay, so the way we use land can change over time. So you might have a piece of land that in the past was used as a farm, but now we're going to subdivide it and build houses on it. Now, we really don't care that much about land contamination until we're about to plonk a house on it and now going to live in it because we don't want little Jimmy and um, Susie, Susie yeah, running around right. in the backyard and growing a third arm. Now, land could potentially have become contaminated when what's called a hail industry has used the land in the past. Now, hail means hazardous activity and industries list. So these are things like cemeteries, dry cleaners, mechanics or panel beaters, something like that. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of different industries that use chemicals, which, you know, if they get washed out or misused, not used properly, could actually impact the land. Cemeteries is an interesting one. I can't imagine there'd be many people excited about having a, a site that used to be a cemetery. I'd be happy about that because yeah, think of about course, it. Of course Nobody you else would. wants it, so you'd get it cheaply. That would be weird. Like, I, I'm not superstitious in the slightest, but ain't no way I'm living on a cemetery. I'd live next to one, but not on one. <laughs> I'd have you around at my house, little Elisa's running around the back garden, and it just sees a hand come out from the ground. It's a zombie apocalypse. So my aunt, I'll tell you about this. Yeah. This, is just, this is just a little aside. Yeah. She had a lifestyle block yeah. down in Hawara in South Taranaki, and it was right next to the cemetery. Yeah. And you would look out the window. Dead centre of Hawaii. Uh, uh, it wasn't dead centre. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it took you long enough. No, I just wanted to deny you the joke. But you'd look out the back window from the kitchen, there'd just be gravestones everywhere. Yeah, see, I'd be okay with it next door. But that's weird. That's so, even weirder. What? As opposed to living on top of an ex-cemetery. How are they going to get through the slab? Yeah, it's good. The going to get through the rib, slab. Foundation. What's that? That's where they reinforce it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coming back to it, when do property owners need to think about land contamination, Andrew? Well, lots of properties do have previous contamination, but it most often comes up when you're buying a new build in greenfield subdivisions, which has previously been a farm. And that's because now it's been converted from farm to housing there's going to be a whole lot of testing, and we see this a lot in Canterbury, and that's because ECAN, Environment Canterbury, will send out letters to property owners talking about land contamination. And it's not just Canterbury, it can happen anywhere in the country. So if the council finds out that, hey, there's this land over here, and we've just found out that it previously has been used for one of those hail industries, oh, we didn't know it used to be a panel beaters and now it is, or the standards changed, something along those lines, you might find that you get a letter in the mail that says, hey, your land has the potential for contamination because it was used by one of those industries in the past. And that all probably sounds pretty scary. And so you might be wondering, well, how does a piece of land actually get contaminated? Now, I was recently looking at a report for a development in Rolleston, Canterbury, and it used to be farmland. And a couple of things that the investigators had picked up is that firstly, there were some burn piles. So farmers will sometimes cut down trees or green waste and end up burning it. So that is a potential source of contamination. Isn't that interesting, just burning old trees? Yeah, because apparently, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not a scientist, Andrew, <laughs> but apparently there are you know, metals or <laughs> In the things. Trees. 
Yes, Andrew. Not 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 metals in, in as an aluminium. Yeah. But you know there can be uh, 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 sciencey stuff in there. Uh huh. I'm an economist, not a scientist. Why are you asking me? And then let me tell you about something else. There was a, a rubbish pit. A rubbish pit. So the farmer dug a hole. Oh, that's a rubbish pit. Just where you're dumping, like, or any waste. So you dig a hole. Put rubbish in it. You put rubbish in okay. it. Okay. So what they were specifically doing in that instance was they were dumping offal. So, like, organs yeah, yeah. of the carcasses of yeah. the, the sheep and the beef. And that caused grief as well. Well, it caused grief to the, to the animals, Andrew. <laughs> but you mean contamination. Yeah. Yeah, yeah potentially. Really? And then also there were some areas that were previously used to store coal. And it's quite interesting that quite a bit of older farmland can have that kind of contamination. Yeah. Now, it can be fixed, so we've got to tell you how, yeah, how yeah. it ends up being fixed in a second. But those are the kinds of things that can cause contamination. And actually, I remember, I can't remember the details, but you you once talked on the podcast about owning a property that was partially contaminated. Yeah, I think I've got to have actually had a couple. I've had, I've had meth contamination. But this one here, I remember I owned a property and... When I purchased it, this was not picked up by my lawyer, which was a bit, bit I was a bit grumpy about. But when I went to on sell that property a few years later after I'd done some renovations to it, it came out that there was a contamination note on the limb. Now the problem was we hadn't picked it up, or my lawyer hadn't picked it up. When I went to sell it, the new lawyer picked it up. That purchaser cancelled because they were too worried about it. It used to be next door to a panel beaters. So because it was next door, all the paint went onto the soil, and so they detected contamination. Now, did you know that it was contaminated, or was it just potentially contaminated? Oh, I think it was potential contamination. Yeah, that's that's interesting, because this comes to how do you know if a piece of land is contaminated? So often, as you've just said, it's going to be on the limb. Now, what's interesting there is your land may not have actually been contaminated yeah, at all. Yeah, but of course the sale fell over. I had to disclose that to any future buyers. And I think in the end, I, I just kept that property quite a lot longer. Yeah. Did you get the soil tested? Nah, I sold it to a developer later on. Yeah, because that's one, one thing you potentially could do in that situation. Yes. If any listeners of the show are you know, in a similar situation, if you get it tested, the limb will show that it's got the potential for contamination. If you test the soil and there isn't enough bad stuff in your land to count as contaminated, uh, then uh, they'll change it back and say below acceptable levels. But yeah, it was quite interesting because that was just a, a property in the suburbs. I was quite surprised that that had the potential for contamination. Just a normal house in the suburbs. Yeah, and it's just because it's near uh, one of those hail industries. Now, a couple of other ways you can figure out if your land is potentially contaminated, whether one you already own or something you're potentially looking at. So if you're in Canterbury, you can use the ECAN website. So they've got what's called the Listed Land Use Register. You can just Google that, pop an address in, get a report. Wellington have got one too. That's called SLUR, the Selected Land Use Register. The trouble in New Zealand is we've got all of these councils and they've all got different websites. But if you Google, you know, Land Use Register Tikawiti or Land Use Register Waitomo, wherever you happen to live, hopefully there'll be a website in your area that shows you the previous use of the land. And so that leads to a really good question, which is what happens if you have a piece of contaminated land? Now, if you're most people and you own a house that's got some contaminated land on it, you actually don't have to do anything. There are properties like Andrew's that are bought and sold all the time where the contamination or potential contamination 
hasn't even been tested properly and certainly may not have been fixed. But you only really have to do something if you are digging up the soil. So if you're developing or if you are subdividing or if you are building a minor dwelling on your backyard, then you are going to have to fix that contaminated land because the council is not going to let you build they are not going to let you develop. They are not going to let you disturb that soil if they think that there is contamination in it. So if you're doing one of those things, and that's why we say this is a big deal for people buying new build developments, particularly in greenfield subdivisions, that's where you really have to think about it. So let's say that a developer finds out that their land is potentially contaminated or a listener of the show, they want to dig up their backyard to subdivide. They find out there's been some contamination. What do they have to do, Andrew? So first step is to actually test to see whether or not there's any contamination. So this is when a specialist comes in, a real scientist comes in and tests the soil. Now I'll do it for half price. <laughs> a lab coat and uh, uh, one of those stethoscopes. I'm, I'm listening to the land. <laughs> um, and look, if there's no contamination, then happy days, they just move on. But the council, of course, update their records and then it's not going to affect the future sales. But if there is contamination, then they have to follow a remedial action plan. And this is when they're going to actually fix the land so it's going to be fit for purpose to build houses on. And that could mean digging out the contaminated soil and replacing it with something else. Yeah, and I'll just give you a, a great example of where this has happened. A44 Selwyn Road in Springston, that's in Canterbury as well, that was used for farming for about 60 years. Then later they divided it into some small paddocks. Then the landowner wanted to subdivide, build some houses. So the Ministry of the Environment comes in, does a report on the land. And the Ministry looked at some old aerial photos and they saw something odd in the photo. So they're looking at, you know, is there any potential source of contamination from the past? So are there burn piles? Are there offal pits? This one also had an offal pit, but it hadn't been used since 2014. So again, the farmer's chucking in organs of the sheep or cattle. And then they could see again, this farmer had also been burning some green waste, some tree branches. And so the ministry said, yep, there is some contamination. If you want to build here, fix it. That's where the remedial action plan comes in. So what did the remedial action plan look like in that example, Andrew? So in that instance, what they had to do is outline a six metre by six metre plot of land. Then they had to dig down 75 centimetres. That's like almost a metre. Yes, it's 75% of a metre. It's quite deep, like it's quite deep, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Like it's, it's probably about five cubic metres of soil. Then they put in a portable x-ray machine to screen the soil to see if the contamination was still there. And at that stage, it was considered safe, and then they replaced that soil. Yeah, there were a couple of examples of this in, in this case, where I think another one, there was a burn pile they had to excavate. I think it was three metres by three metres, dig down half a metre. I know that there's been lots of inner city sites that developers have bought within Christchurch where they've had to seal over top of soil as well. Uh, they've had to go further in terms of the amount of sealing done before they are able to construct something. But there are sites within the city centre that that's happened. In. And actually, I got my math wrong. That's not no, five no, metres I, I, of I, cubic I, I, soil. I left it. I left Did it you? as well. Yeah, because six by six is not, uh, and then times 0.75. Oh, yeah, good of no. you to admit that. Yes, 27 metres yeah. cubed of soil. That's a lot of soil. That's like five trucks. Like, that's quite a lot. I suppose it is. Don't sound so surprised. I'm so I know. I'm surprised <laughs> that you admitted you were wrong. You've got a real attitude on you today, and it's not very becoming. <laughs> and so you might wonder, well, 
does that mean it was taken off the limb report? So they've excavated all of this dirt, they've fixed the contamination, what happens to the limb? Previously, the limb would have said, verified hail, so hazardous activity and industries list, not investigated. So before they did any testing, that's what it would have said on the limb. That's probably what it said on Andrew's limb as well. Now that they've fixed the land, the limb will change to below guideline values residential. So below the limit or test for what is considered contaminated. So it will still be on the limb, but it will show that it's safe is the main thing. And probably last question before we wrap it up, Andrew, if you look at a limb and it says previously the land had been used for a hail industry, but there's no contamination now, do you think that will impact the property's value? No, not at all. Why? Because I just... Discuss. I, because I think that the reality is there's so many of these that probably a lawyer's going to say, hey, this is this is quite common for us to see and that's not going to make people worry unnecessarily. And also, like if you think about new builds, you know, councils are going to lengths to make sure that properties are fit for purpose so that they don't have any liability on themselves. If you're buying something new and getting a, a limb from them, a new title, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Yeah, I think the main thing is just to understand that this can happen anywhere in the country, right? You could have potentially contaminated land. If you're buying a property that has previously had contamination, the only thing you really want to understand is what's been done to fix it and has it been adequately fixed? And if the answer is we've come in, we've dug out the ground, we've excavated, and now there's no contamination, happy days, you don't have to worry about it. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Debbie Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicole. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the new property market. Until next time, 